Born and bred in the DMV, our agency has always been proud of its roots. But we've often wondered, what exactly is the DC brand? What does it represent? How has it evolved? Last week, we got the chance to answer these questions and more at the DC Marketing Summit, joined by local leaders repping upwards of 250 brands. Our very own VP of Marketing, Lauren Leva, led a panel all about the DC brand, with leaders from local staples like District Donut, American University, Kettler Inc., Destination DC, and the Washington Wizards. We left feeling inspired, and we hope you will too. What follows is a recording of our discussion. Take a listen, and we hope that you enjoy. marketing and branding agency located in Old Town, Alexandria. Um, and we've been in this area for 40 years, proudly serving uh, DC and East Coast clients. Um, and we've got a wonderful panel this morning of uh, DC brands here. We've got Robin McLean, uh, the SVP of Marketing and Communications from Destination DC. We've got Greg Mena, the co-founder and CEO of District Donut. We've got Julie Zito, the Assistant VP of Marketing from American University. And we've got Melissa Fasano, the Director of Corporate Marketing at Kettler. And lastly, Kristen Olson, the Senior, I'm sorry, Krista Olson, the Senior Director of Marketing from the Washington Wizards. So thank you so much for joining me today, guys. Um, we are gonna go through some questions and then we'll open it up to the audience uh, for Q&A at the end. Um, so be thinking of things that you wanna ask this awesome bunch of marketing leaders. Uh, so I want to start out with some stats just to kind of frame up the conversation about DC and the brands that are here. Um, the city is growing. 2018 was the 13th straight year of population growth in the district. Um, and elected officials like to tout that there are 1,000 new people moving into the city every month. Um, a huge factor in, the, factor in this growth is international migration, uh, which was responsible for 53% of the net increase last year in population growth. Um, and data also shows that at least a third of people who live in D.C. were born here. So there's a great mix of both newcomers and uh, tried and true locals. So the first question for you guys that I have um, is about the D.C. brand, what we're here to talk about. Um, on a macro level, we've seen a decade of co increased connectivity and globalization, and that's kind of prompted a counter trend of localization and people really craving um, original and unique experiences. So what do you think makes DC unique? Well, maybe I'll start <laughs> since I promote the city. Um, you know, I think given our current campaign that we launched in January called Discover the Real DC, we think it's about um, what we all who live here and work here experience every day. And so um, it's not what's on television this morning. It is really um, the experiences of, you know, great restaurants um, and uh, nightlife and uh, culture. Um, and you can experience that, you know, in every quadrant of the city, in every neighborhood. And so that's what I think the D.C. brand is. Absolutely. Um, for students who come to American, we have about 13% of our incoming undergraduate students are from the DMV. Um, we have a huge amount of students coming from outside this area, and DC is a big attractor for them. Um, about 40% of them actually stay after graduation, so they really are coming here because of all that we offer. Um, they also see this as a place where they can make change and fulfill their purpose. 
as um, we were talking about this morning. So DC for them is really part, um, you know, spending the day on Capitol Hill at your internship or maybe at a protest, um, having a conversation that you never thought you'd have with someone from um, a different part of the world, uh, enjoying the Smithsonian. You know, it's a, it's a place where they can study um, as well as really have an experience. I think uh, I'm Greg with District Donut, and we are we were founded on essentially being something very different than, uh, as Robin said, what what you're hearing all of the time that DC is supposedly like. Uh, in our experience, it's not like all of those things. We um, we started in 2012, uh, and uh, so we uh, my co-founder Christine, who's actually the the brains and creates really good things, I create problems, but, um, she, her idea uh, of, of a pastry as, as a very experienced pastry chef is just to take something simple and to make it that much better as things that you already like. And so we, as a brand wanted to do that. We wanted to, uh, we wanted to approach DC. Similarly, it's really neat, Robin, that you said in each quadrant of the city, you can experience, uh, what, what we call in our brand happiness found. Like that's our, that's our, um, that's what we're always pursuing. How can we provide a little bit of happiness found for everyone that comes through our teal doors? Everything we do is teal because who is not happy with teal? Um, but uh, the idea that there can be a little slice of that, even though everyone is always saying that that's not what's going on here, uh, we believe it is. And uh, we want to be a little bit of a little light in that. We want to be a little force uh, within that because um, we believe it's, it's possible. And we, we truly do believe if you have a district donut, you're going to be more happy than before that. So um, I can confirm <clears throat> there are, I mean, I love salad, you know, it's great and all, but you can only have so many salads. You, you need more calories. So, um, <laughs> but the, the point is, and we actually have done exactly that. We have five locations now. We opened the first in Virginia a couple months ago, but we have one. We have Northwest, Northeast, Southwest, Southeast. We started in Southeast, and then we proceeded to Northwest, and then Southwest, and, and now Northeast. So we, um, and, and it wasn't specifically by design, um, but we just have tried to follow where are people uh, who, are, who have the same idea as we do. Uh, where are they going and buying things and... and uh, and that has been where, uh, that's where we have been led. And that's been really neat um, because we have been received the same way everywhere, which is like we literally are just making the best donut and that's it. We don't, we're not trying to be anything we're not. And I think people respond well to that. And, and DC is a place right now where a brand can, um, a brand has a unique opportunity because it is a big stage, but there it's, it's not as, uh, there aren't as many, there can't be as many players because there aren't as many people total as other big cities. So it's a really unique opportunity and we love, we're loving being a little part of that. Um, so obviously we're part of a global brand with the NBA, but I think from a local perspective with monumental sports and entertainment, um, with our ownership, um, we're very much investing in the city and, um, things that go into it. So yesterday, for instance, we, um, opened a new court, actually three courts, uh, over in Southeast DC, 
Um, today we actually are um, unveiling our new city edition Nike jersey, so it's very inspired by DC and the elements of the city. Um, we have games this week that have college series um, representing different schools, um, working with local partners with MedStar with a mental health awareness night. So for us, we're really looking at things from a macro perspective and how we can become um, represented on a global scale in terms of a basketball team, but also really looking at investing with our relationships. Um, Destination DC is a great one, um, you know, that I work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, really investing in those relationships in the city and really trying to build monumental sports um, as a larger entity that really impacts um, both business but also our fans on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'm coming at it from a real estate perspective. I'm with Kettler, so if uh, you don't know, we are actually um, a locally owned um, real estate development company. We also do property management um, and construction. So a lot of DC, also the outer lying areas all throughout Maryland, um, you know, Baltimore, all the way down to Virginia Beach, we've developed many, many master plan communities. What we do is we actually, um, you know, considering DC is such a melting pot and, you know, talking much to that transient transplant, um, you know, audience that we have here in the area, it's really important for us to focus on developing a lifestyle of tomorrow, but just developing a lifestyle of tomorrow for all different lifestyle needs. So we're doing it for everything from affordable all the way up to luxury class A high rise. And so we're really trying to ensure that we're capturing exactly what any type of person that is moving to the DC area or that currently lives in DC is in need of. Um, so, you know, that is, you know, one of the things that I think makes us have kind of a unique perspective on the DC brand and ensuring that we're um, encompassing that in all of our future planning. Wonderful. Thank you all. Um, I love that we have a representation of kind of a lot of different and very important industries in DC here. We've got real estate, academia, retail, sports, um, and of course, uh, tourism. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the major local trends that you're kind of seeing within your industries and how that's impacting your day-to-day -day marketing or business responsibilities? Um, we have a tremendous relationship with the Washington Post. Um, so for our overarching marketing and advertising budget, we actually work with all the different properties um, with them on um, just an extensive relationship of how are we transforming our digital advertising. Um, unfortunately, which I'm very sad about that the Express uh, Metro went away this year, but um, how are we taking that and trying to retarget in a much uh, more efficient way, um, more, much more effective way. Um, we're also looking um, specifically with Google on how we can do a better job of um, impacting our tourism uh, messaging and how, especially for us, we have a new player, the first Japanese um, NBA player to be signed. Um, and he has been just a phenomenon, to be honest. Um, his name's Rui Hachimura, and the, the number of people that have come in um, from both a Japanese standpoint, but also from a business standpoint, um, is really impacting our business this year, and trying to look at that, and um, having conversations with Destination EC and um, Big Bus, and, and how can we um, effectively market him, and, and try to do new things for those types of fans, um, and bring those experiences to, to our games. Krista, can you tell us a little bit about just obviously there's a ton of momentum around DC sports right now and some of the things that you're doing to capture that and, and build on that excitement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think this is actually the first like full year and a half, I would say, um, of us doing a really good job of sport, our sports 
representing and supporting one another. Mm-hmm. I think um, I actually am a big Boston sports fan. I grew up a big Boston sports fan, I know. <laughs> um, but having been now in D.C. and working for the Wizards um, and being part of the Caps and Mystics Championships, which is phenomenon, uh, phenomenal, um, being able to see the support that we've all had for one another, um, you know, getting John a Soto jersey shipped out was um, a, a frantic moment on our side to try to get um, John Wall to get that so we can put that on digital. Um, those are all moments that we're trying to capture. Um, we had a game actually the night of the parade for the Nats. Um, and so, you know, how can we do kind of last minute ticket deals? You know, we put up messaging on our marquee boards and just simple things like that that are. Um, just small but very effective to just show that we are a district of champions. We do have all these different teams represented, especially for us um, on uh, women's sports, I think is phenomenal. phenomenal. And, um, you know, having that team as part of our overarching brand um, has been really exciting. I'll just add to that. Um, you guys actually reached out to us about having an AU night. Yes. So on December 5th, uh, the Wizards are playing the 76ers, and it's AU night, and there's special merchandise. And um, for our students, you know, they're really here. Um, American University is not known as a big sports school. I'm sure that won't surprise anyone. Um, but they actually really appreciate having the D.C. teams as their teams. We had a partnership with the Nationals for a number of years. Um, the you know, Wizards Night, I think, is a great opportunity for them to have um, sort of that major sporting event, um, and they can go back to their major event, which is uh, you know, thinking about um, you know, joining the Peace Corps and changing the world. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's fantastic to have that access for them, and um, I think that's another benefit of going to university in a major city. Um, where you get to sort of adopt these other brands as part of your own. Absolutely. I'll just get on the sports train um, because it really is an opportunity to promote the city. And so with a spotlight shining so big on D.C. these last couple of years um, since the Stanley Cup win and and obviously through the WNBA um, championship and, and now um, being World Series champs, it has given us an opportunity along with our partners at Events DC to really promote the city from a sports perspective. And that's both, you know, business and leisure. So it's booking the venues. So it's everything from Capital One Arena to the entertainment um, and sports arena in um, Congress Heights to, um, you know, Nats Park. And so it gives us an opportunity to promote um, venues to, for business purposes, um, event purposes, but also to bring people to the city. So I, I'm assuming you're from Boston. That would be the only reason you would be a Boston fan, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, um, you know, it, it, you can have that experience down here in D.C. following your team if that's what you want um, to do, but you can also have that that um extended experience in terms of the city and that authenticity. And so um, that's one of the trends we're seeing is is, as we go out to market, people are, we're first of all connecting to people in specific personas that we've done research on and and are promoting to. Um, The sports enthusiast happens to be one of those eight personas. And so it's a way for us, for people to consider DC differently. Interesting. Thank you. And I'm going to go ahead and hop on that train, but kind of take a little pivot. Um, Kettler is actually the official property management and real estate development company of 
the Washington Capitals Wistics, mis, or, yeah, Mystics <laughs> Wizards, um, and we are partners of Monumental Sports Entertainment. We also sponsor the second floor of the Capital One Arena where we have the Kettler Loft level. I'm not sure if any of you guys have made that association if you've been to any games recently, but a part of that campaign is large in part because we want to make sure that we are um, marketing to all of those different groups, but also much to um, Robin's point, you know, we've got all these unique opportunities included in that sponsorship to make sure we're, you know, not only giving back from a bit, you know, going through our business transactions, ensuring that we're taking care of, you know, all of those markets, but also making sure that we're bringing in the community. So we also do um, a series of sweet nights where we um, connect with the VA. We have um, different veterans come in and partake in our sweet nights where we, you know, we're making sure that we're taking care of them and being a part with them. Um, and then in addition to that, we also work really closely with the Children's Inn at NIH where we're, we also bring them in for our sweet nights. So instead of repurposing just our sponsorship for business needs, we're also trying to connect closer with the DC community and ensuring that we're, we're helping out and becoming a closer part with them. Greg, tell us a little bit about, in your industry, the foodie movement and how that's kind of helped uh, businesses, smaller businesses who, um, you know, are maybe different than the traditional D.C. steakhouse or kind of like stereotypical D.C. restaurant takeoff. Sure. Well, I was first going to say I, I don't have much to weigh in on the, uh, the last question uh, because uh, a big partner of Monumental Sports is Dunkin' Donuts. So <laughs> I have, uh, we, you know, we have, we have a beef. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, the foodie movement is, you know, is a fascinating thing to me, I think. Um, and we certainly are, we certainly were right at the kind of peak explosion of that uh, at, at the beginning of our company. Um, there were, you know, like five different uh, supposedly gourmet donut companies start at the same time when there was not a single one ever before here. And now there's, there's only two. So uh, we've stayed standing um, and we've kept, we've kept moving. But um, I think, uh, as I said before, I think what, what has allowed us to continue, um, growing and, and, you know, methodically it's felt very fast to us, but we, we try to be more methodical and we are a truly a small team. I mean, it's not more, much more than me and, uh, Christine and, and then our, our marketing, um, our marketing basically VP who's been, all three of us has been here since the beginning and we've, we've gradually grown. And I think, um, What's been most fascinating is is to watch things that are trend uh, versus things that are staple, uh, things that people want always versus things that um, they might be really cool on Instagram, but not a single person buys that. <laughs> uh, we I can I can attest to that. Uh, we you, we we are now shifting everything we do uh, in in the next few weeks to be entirely based on data in how we like and for a chef. A creative chef, that's a very, that's just, you know, that can be very frustrating. Um, when she could create, you'll never have a donut that's better. But no one buys the thing because it's like daunting or everyone buys vanilla bean glazed, you know. It's a really interesting um, phenomenon where everyone is, you know, they're double tapping. They like the, the really cool thing and the really cool thing that Christine creates that we come out with is actually better than the simpler one. But people want simple. And so that's in a very interesting, almost conflicting um, piece of intelligence that uh, that the food that that a foodie movement would would tell you wasn't true, um, or that the number of Instagram likes would tell you uh, otherwise. It's been very interesting to begin 
um, the process now because we are much certainly clearly a much smaller brand and and op and and company than the, the rest of the folks on the stage. But because of that, we have to pay immense attention to detail to what every single person is saying on every channel. We use a thing called intercom, which is uh, a chat function where that like we that one guy in our company is listening to all the time and asking people. You know, it's like he'll be at a store and he also does that and okay, what are they saying? They didn't like this. This happened at that store. And trying to figure out how do we take all of that information and call it into which donuts do we sell? Mm -hmm. Because that, that determines everything else. And so I think um, the foodie movement is, is uh, it's amazing because then, it, because then it creates an excitement about better things, better food in general. But it's also a very, you have to be very wise to sift through and find out what do people actually want. Um, cause that doesn't, I don't think that really changes, um, in terms of like, in terms of a macro category, I don't know that that changes a lot, certainly better versions and healthier versions. But what we find is typically people are going to buy the simpler thing, but you just have to do it a lot better. Um, and you have to treat them with kindness and it's gotta be genuine. It can't be a put on like your people that, that other people are interacting with. They gotta be really great. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's a good segue into the customer experience and how that can help you build advocates um, after someone experiences your mm -hmm. brand for the first time and then tells all their <coughs> friends about it, whether that's on social media or mm -hmm. elsewhere. Um, I really liked that Martha from AARP talked about CX, and I would love to hear just some of the ways that you're measuring um, brand sentiment, customer loyalty, trust, all those types of really important parts of the customer relationship. Um, for us, we're constantly surveying and <clears throat> following up game after game as to what our fans are looking for. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, this past summer, we have undergone um, a $180 million renovation to our concourses, and that was a direct um, result of our fans saying, hey, we need to be better and we need a better experience. Um, and so we've brought in some local vendors. We do have Ben's Chili Bowl now that has come on. Um, we worked with Jose Andreas on some of our um, concession uh, menuing. And just in terms of like general experience, um, we completely renovated all of our video boards. So if you come now, it's kind of a little bit overwhelming, but there's just... Um, constant imagery and you know really perfecting what that looks like from a brand perspective while also implementing all of our different partnerships and what they're trying to get across um, but that is all de definitely a direct um, result of, of fan sentiment and um, their feedback to us as to you know this is what we need for you guys to do better in terms of our, our in-game experience. And, uh, and for us, one of the things, you know, throughout the past few years that I've been with Kettler, we've gone through a substantial surveying program as well. Um, we actually went from surveying four times a year to our prospects and residents, um, taking that feedback, going through a process of vetting different, um, different organizations to try and make sure that we were bringing in the right tools and resources to enhance our program. So what that told us was for 2019, we needed to gear up all of our surveying and we actually turned it into a full life cycle touch point survey where we're, we're now actually reaching our residents um, at the 30 day after move-in mark, we're reaching our residents at the 
um, you know, at, at the, right after a maintenance service happens, right after that transaction, and then once you go to into like the lease renewal process. So we're constantly surveying on their experiences that they're having with our staff. From there, we've taken that feedback. We've completely revamped our um, customer service program for all of our on-site um, property staff. And um, we've gotten great feedback for 2019. And so I think for 2020, we're just going to continue to build on that. We're building out um, a loyalty program right now to, to try and ensure that all of our residents, especially in an area like DC, where it's very transient, people are moving. There's a lot of you know businesses that are up and down the East Coast. We want to make sure that if you're moving from Kettler property to Kettler property, you're remembering our name and the service that you had. And you're also getting you know perks and benefits from staying with a Kettler property. So these are just a couple of programs and ways that we're taking all of that feedback and data that we're gathering from those surveys that we're putting out and then putting them into action to make sure that you know we are really changing the program and ensuring that all of our residents and prospects are really happy with the service that they're receiving from their Keller staff. I'll just add, as a community of uh, about 8,000 undergraduates and 13,000 graduate and undergrads and then hundreds of thousands of alumni, we have no shortage of feedback coming to us all the time. <laughs> um, you know, when Martha was talking about social media of Gen Z, um, we regularly hear, of course, on social media, mostly uh, when most students aren't anxious to say, hey, you guys did a great job today. I loved that class that I had. Or, wow, you're bringing Lequilensa to campus. How exciting is that? Um, there is some of that, but a lot of it really is, is feedback of concerns. Um, so we have a listening tool. Um, we have a team. Um, really in the higher education space, the sort of reputational management, crisis communications management is something that, um, and I'm looking at my colleague from Georgetown, um, something that universities have had to um, adopt and very quickly um, pivot to, to that sort of team and people have an expertise in that space over the past five, ten years. Um, for any of you, uh, you know, the thing about a university is it's, it's not just something you consume. It, it's a brand that becomes part of who you are. Um, it's on your resume. There are very few products you purchase that are on your resume. As much as you might love a donut or a team, um, people don't typically put that as part of their personal brand. So, um, you know, it, any sort of institutional change, um, any sort of policy, anything that they're concerned about, um, you know, they're very quick to make us aware of that. So um, in addition to ongoing social media feedback that we're getting, as I said, all the time, and we also do a campus climate survey. We also have alumni surveys. Um, and the university does respond to these things, but we're talking about pretty um, monumental sort of shifts in, um, you know, a, a new plan for inclusive excellence and, and things that um, really take time. It's um, the, the, our student body is also very skeptical with sort of quick fixes. Mm -hmm. So um, it's something that we are constantly monitoring, discussing, planning, budgeting um, for. Awesome. Thank you. Robin, what about from Destination DC, how are you kind of listening or getting feedback on the visitor experience when someone comes to DC and what they liked, what they didn't like? Is that factoring into your marketing at all or your planning? Well, it's, it's not as specific as, as they can speak to just because it's, you know, we've welcomed 24 million people um, last year, for example. So um, it, 
it's, it's really working with our partners mm -hmm. and magnifying those experiences. So it's both inspiring what you can experience before you get here, um, but then it's also highlighting what these amazing opportunities are once you're on the ground. I will say, obviously, social media plays into that heavily. Um, just from a consumer standpoint, you can kind of track their um, how people are feeling, but it tends to be a really positive place overall, mm -hmm. um, even given, I think, the dynamics of the city and what our challenges are in terms of promoting it mm -hmm. daily. Um, it really, I, I, you can't beat a, you know, a shot of the National Mall at sunset. It mm -hmm. still is the most popular Instagram, um, you know, post that, that when we, when we use that. So that surprises us because we really highlight so much else beyond that, but there still is that traditional element. Um, and then I will say that, you know, the things that we hear, um, most often about the city are things like how clean it is. And when you start comparing that to other big cities in the U S, um, and how walkable. And so those are things that, um, that we feel visitors feel, but also media is saying about us. So, you know, Lonely Planet just named us um, the second uh, best city to visit in 2020. We were first in 2015, and so we've made it back on that list, first in the U.S., um, behind um, uh, Salzburg in um, Austria. So, like, it's, you know, it's an interesting thing. We, we keep um, using those accolades in ways for people to talk about the city. So whether that's number one for women in tech or it's how sustainable um, the city is, um, it, those are all the things that I think help tell um, the experience mm -hmm. of what people can have here. We don't track it, you know, by individual, but we certainly try to enhance that. Yeah, exactly. So as you're starting to plan for 2020 and your teams are having conversations about where to put budget, where to put effort, um, what's one thing that you are going to stop doing and one thing that you're going to start doing or keep doing as part of your marketing plans? For us, we're going to focus, um, we're going to continue with Discover the Real DC and add to that an element for the DMV region. For the last 10 years, we've been promoting a campaign called Date Nights DC, and the idea was um, when hotels and restaurants really need businesses in January and February here in DC. It's a, you know, it's a very quiet time. And so we want to impact that with visitation. And so we're um, introducing actually just started this week with a marketing campaign called stay local DC. And some of our research is showing that the, the thing that will make a local in this region stay in a hotel overnight is both value, but also, um, having that big experience. So, um, it's kind of like the high end luxury getaway, but also what is that value? And so we're building that around, um, big weekends that you can have in January and February. So some of that's around sports, some of that's around restaurant week, um, and other, um, big arts and cultural exhibits and experiences that you can have in the city. So we hope that will fill our hotels and, and restaurants in 2020. Um, we're really excited for the second half of the season just because we have um, some really specific theme nights that we've never done before. Um, we're doing a Japanese heritage night in January. Um, we're partnering with the National Cherry Blossom um, Festival and having an actual theme night. Um, they've done it very successfully with the Nationals before, and we're going to um, lean in on that, and, and we actually have a Rui Hachimura Cherry Blossom ticket package. So it should be really interesting, and I think that'll get um, 
a ton of fans out to it. Um, we're also trying, um, we work with um, a, a number of different pride organizations and are trying um, just a bigger pride night um, in March, as well as an international women's um, themed night um, as part of an MBA initiative. So just really excited to try all those different things out. I think for us, um, just because of team performance, we really need to lean in on single game promotions and how we can be very nimble in our messaging, um, just because unfortunately the the product in terms of wins is, is unfortunately probably not going to be there this year, but I think the excitement still around NBA basketball and the um, opponents that we have coming in, it's still a phenomenal night out um, on the town and it's still like leaning in on that. So um, that's definitely what we're looking for for the second half of our season. Uh, for us, we actually began surveying in a more effective manner really just in the past year, uh, to be honest, because we uh, you know, you, we grew quickly from four, from 14, when we opened the first store to now we've opened five locations and that's a, that's a pretty sizable number. And we, and we opened three last year. So we, and we, like I said, like none of us had any experience in the industry. Um, at least I didn't, I mean, Christine actually has, but, but not in growing like a food concept. We're not like a re we're not a restaurant group that, you know, had massive backing and like, that's not what we are. Um, and so we, we've done everything in a, you know, it's the most hackneyed word, but entrepreneurial manner um, possible, like just figuring everything out as you go, making tons of mistakes and, and learning and constantly reimagining what you're trying to do and figure out the problems that you have every day. And, and um, truly a, truly a, a an, an entrepreneurial enterprise. And, uh, part of what we found was is kind of the rub of our product in particular. Our surveying was like, your price is too high. <laughs> and we were like, okay, interesting. It's the same price as every other pastry you'll get at every shelf on any coffee shop. But people think it's too expensive. Every part of it's made by hand, but it's still too expensive. Interesting. And so it's just because the historical price for our product category is like 85 cents. You know, um, so it's been really interesting to take that information and say, all right, well, then how are we going to deliver the same quality? Um, and so it's, it, then you're, you're into this whole other uh, set of considerations. Okay, we have to tell our story effectively. People have to understand what they're eating and why it's so much better uh, than other donuts and why you won't feel terrible after you eat one. It's because it started, you know, 36 hours ago with like real French fermentation of a real dough. It wasn't mixed in, you know, 20 minutes. And so telling a story of that and why we do that, because we want to make something better. We want people to have something where it's, wow, that is so good. Um, and now I have a little bit of joy. And so we're trying to, trying to reimagine what a donut should be, not in a, in a silly way, but just in a, this is much better. Everything about it is better. Um, and so, and it's genuine. And if you go to any of our stores, uh, honestly, and I'm not afraid to like make this bet, um, but our, like the managers of all of our stores, almost, uh, uh, four of the five stores are managed by, uh, are managed by, by women. Like our company is founded upon amazing women that are like, that are able to balance treating customers well when they're treated terribly, which is most of the food industry. Um, and, and, you know, holding staff accountable and like, it's just an amazing thing. Uh, to watch the effect of that and, and to see the amazing ways in which our, our, our leading ladies have like, 
have cared for people, uh, our employees, cared for customers. It's really just been amazing. And all of that, like, is the story. And so we, we're just trying to figure out, we got to be able to tell the story better because what we're doing is unbelievable. And what I've watched happen as we've just tried to grow and continue to be smarter um, in how we make our product efficiency as any good business needs to like, and because you got to sell lots of them if they're $3 and that's still too expensive. So um, it's really an amazing uh, kind of combination of things that uh, to see, we have to tell the story really effectively. So that's what we're, um, we're, we're, we're working on right now is figuring out how do we tell the story really effectively so that it, it really hits the folks that it needs to. Yeah. I think I can speak to the expensive conversation. Um, you know, we get a lot of that pushback too. I mean, it's the housing industry, it's apartments in DC, ouch, to your wallet. Um, it's very expensive um, in, in any type of living here in the city um, and, and the outerlying areas as well. Um, and so one of the things that we're really trying to do in 2020 is ensure that we are leading with the value. So the value that you get when you live in a Kettler community. Let's be honest, apartments right now, they're highly amenitized. Our competitors do a fantastic job and ensuring that they are developing these immaculate properties with everything from co full service concierge 24 hours, you know, to package pickup to Amazon lockers. Um, we have that as well. But what we want to lead with is, you know, in, is that value that you're getting from the interaction that you have with your Kettler employees and your Kettler staff, the friendliness that you experience, the community that you become a part of when you move to a Kettler building. Um, that's something that we're trying to include in our marketing campaigns for 2020, making sure that we are, we're sharing that on our social media channels, making sure that we are sharing that in every opportunity that we have, just like a speaking engagement or a groundbreaking like we had yesterday in Florida, actually. And so there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for us. We, we previously were doing very much um, strong awareness, you know, trying to put our stake in the ground on social media and say, hey, we're Kettler, we're here. But now we're taking the content and we're really making a shift. We want to be driving conversion. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we're all here for. Um, and so trying to find an opportunity when it comes to real estate marketing to position ourselves uh, to be providing that conversion and what that ROI looks like for us. So we're actually turning all of our campaigns in 2020 into those very conversion-specific campaigns, trying to get those lead conversions from social media, from email marketing, um, from any of the interactions that we're having on site, any of our loyalty and perks programs. So we're actually rolling that out full scale. Um, so we're going to pull back a little bit on the awareness. We, we're still doing a lot of that. We're, we're really using our Cutler Loft level for that, which we love, um, especially since conversion's a little more difficult to track at a grand scale like that. However, we're targeting our campaigns and ensuring that all of those programs that we're rolling out have that ultimate end goal. Julie, anything to add? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think part of the question is stop. I, I, I don't think there's anything we unfortunately can stop doing. Um, you know, we are not only uh, the central marketing communications division for the university and have a lot of major initiatives that we need to support in every level, um, but we also serve as sort of a partner agency with a lot of, um, with our internal schools and colleges and divisions. So I wish there were things that we could stop because I feel like we just keep starting new things. Um, but in terms of the year, I, I think that, you know, uh, to sort of, uh, to Greg's point, you know, I, we tell a lot of great stories. We have a lot of amazing stories. We're very lucky to be very content rich. You know, I mentioned the Smithsonian earlier. The executive director of the Smithsonian, Lonnie Bunch, is a double alumnus of, um, of American University. He's also the first African-American executive director of the Smithsonian. Uh, Susan Zarinsky, CBS president, uh, president of CBS News. 
an alumna of AU, also the first woman president of CBS News, first woman president of CBS Ad Sales, also is um, a, an AU alum. So we have fantastic stories. Um, we're not super nimble about telling them quickly. Um, and, you know, stories like Lottie Bunch are ones that we tell over time, but there's also students doing really wonderful things and the moment is gone and, you know, we sort of catch up to it and then talk about it maybe in an annual report or strategic plan. So I think that um, something that we're talking about in our leadership team is how can we be more nimble? And higher ed is not really typically known to be that fast-moving. So it's something that um, we're going to have to kind of reconsider in terms of, um, you know, how we're approaching things, uh, the team that's working on them, and, and how we're going to get those messages out. Thank you all. One more quick question before we turn it over to the audience, and this is off the record. Are there any DC, which DC brand do you love the most besides your own? All right, I'll go. <laughs> um, the Nats, of course, amazing, super fun. What a great year. Um, but I'm also going to add uh, Patango, which I'm a big fan of Patango gelato. It's all about food, Greg, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, they not only do they have an awesome product, but um, they really work on the experience piece. I don't know how many locations they have, but they're maybe like five in D.C. Um, they have like game nights. They have prosciutto tasting nights. Um, and I went there once and somehow, I don't even remember signing up for an email and I get emails from them all the time, but it's always like, well, I don't know, I'll go to prosciutto and gelato. Why not? That sounds awesome. Um, so I think they do a good job. Um, I'm really into books. So I love politics and prose. Um, E-City and Kramer, I think all of them are just, they they all are very unique, and I love, like, all the different events that Politics and Pros hosts and um, have definitely frequented a lot of them. Great. I'll just say I, I really shouldn't answer know, the question, um, but <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big shopper, and so I'll just say shop made in D.C. Yeah. Love it. It doesn't count as a brand because um, it, it's just one restaurant currently, but it's because – I know the chef so well, uh, the Dabney, the chef, Jeremiah Langhorn, he's become a personal friend of mine through really interesting connections <laughs> that go back to like when I was five. Um, but because I, I feel that if I were an incredibly talented chef and I could start a really, you know, amazing restaurant, it would be similar in how he, in how he approaches the people, uh, um, that he's, that he, that he has on his team and, his just amazing attention to detail. Uh, that's what he cares about. And he's just a genuinely good man. Like he's not, he has, he doesn't have an ego. Um, he's really ingenious. And, and uh, I've, I've loved how he approaches uh, serving people. Cause that's what he's trying to do is like serve people and do it with incredible uh, specificity, but according to who he is. Um, so I don't think he's trying to do something that's, uh, like contrived. He's just the creativity that's there. It's, 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 it's simple in some ways, but really imaginative at the same time. So I really like him and I, I hope, I hope he's going to continue. I know he's actually, he's going to open another restaurant. Uh, it sounds really cool. He was telling me about, so, um, yeah, that'll be neat. Melissa? Yeah. So um, mine is actually a person, a local artist, um, Taylor Campa, who I believe you probably know. Um, she's actually done some fantastic work. 
<laughs> yeah, she, so I, I have to go with Taylor. So I actually went to high school with Taylor Campus. She's a phenomenal local artist. If you are not familiar, please look her up. She's done the artwork, obviously, for District Donuts, a little PR play there. But um, she also has uh, been commissioned for a lot of work for all the Washington sports teams. So she's done, um, if you haven't been to Circa in Penn Quarter or, I guess, Chinatown, I guess I should call it, um, she actually did all the artwork for the entire inside of the restaurant before it opened. Unbelievable. She's got, you know, art, local artists, like jazz artists. She's got Capitals players. She's got Wizards players. She's got a little bit of flavor for everyone. Um, unbelievable artist, um, local homegrown from the area, um, definitely check her out. Her name's Taylor Campa. Thank you all for humoring me with that one. <laughs> um, any questions from the audience for this group before we break? Anybody? claim Smithsonian before anyone else can. <laughs> I think that fits uh, the bill, and um, it is one of the tent poles still of how we promote the city. All of those museums and the National Zoo are free, and uh, no other city in the world can match that. It's great for students on a college budget, so it's a fantastic draw. I mean, AU has been around since 1893, so we're one of those uh, older brands. Um, you know, I, I would say um, certainly I would think campus looks very different now um, than it did then, not only the physical space, but the student makeup. Um, you know, we, we try to evolve um, with the city as it evolves. It can be, you know, there was an earlier question about sort of local trends, and um, one of the things that affects our students a lot, of course, is, is uh, change in the federal government. And, for example, with the hiring freeze in the State Department, um, you know, it, it, it a few years back that students who came here really to do that and then sort of had to, they're getting ready to graduate and they had this plan and they have to rethink that. Um, you know, it's, it's something that um, we, we uh, definitely feel the change in the city and how that, that can change the environment and, and uh, you know, people's aspirations on campus. We had a question over here. I get to be the one talking in the mic, yay. <laughs> um, uh, so you all talked a little bit about telling your stories effectively, but of course the story is different for each of your brands. And I'm really curious uh, what types of stories you've found to be the most effective, not necessarily the channels that you're using, but actually what stories resonate the most with your uh, demographic. Sports, food, um, and I think, even going a little more micro to things like rooftops, rooftop experiences in the city is a major one. And we can see in the investment from hotels um, that are under development and will be debuting that um, almost everyone has that type of experience to offer. And there's a reason for that because there are amazing views in D.C. Students want to see themselves, you know, in um living here, being here, you know, um, working here. So both for graduate students and undergraduate students, it's 
you know, current student profiles, alumni profiles. Um, you know, we have a student who, while they were at AU as an undergrad, started in our um, incubator a biodegradable straw. Um, he graduated around, right around the time DC banned straws. Um, so, you know, he's pretty excited, right? And it, it kind of started there. So those sorts of stories where people can see themselves and say, like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to invent a biodegradable straw, but maybe I'm going to, you know, um, do this other thing. So that's what we, we tend to focus on, alumni and, and current students. We, uh, we find that home brand is actually really interested, interesting to our residents. Um, it seems like everybody is very interested in the content that's about, um, you know, what does your home look like? I want to see a home tour. How are you designing your apartment? Small space living. Um, these are all topics that I never really thought about till I became a part of the multifamily industry, but they're very relevant. I mean, if you think about your day-to-day -day life, whether you're in a single-family home, row home, or apartment community, or condo, um, you know, you're constantly, or maybe not constantly, but at some point in your journey, you're looking into ways that you can showcase your personal brand in your home brand. And uh, we find that that content really resonates with our audience. Yeah, ours is definitely like behind the scenes content, anything that gets somebody into a locker room. Um, I think the other thing which is um, exceptional for both the WNBA and the NBA is that we had um, Natasha Cloud and Bradley Beal represented as the community leaders for the entire league. They, were, they both received that award. And just the impact of um, both of those groups and the things that they're doing out in the community, especially in um, Ward 8, is definitely content that people are resonating with, but also because it's relevant to, to their lives. I'm getting a nod for time. Uh, so thank you all so much. This is a really great discussion about DC brand. And um, I think everyone will be here afterwards to answer questions if anyone has any follow-ups. But thank you all.